dispatch. Packets of fire all around. Dear Chief, much has happened since we last spoke. Welcome to Dear Chief Podcast, where your hosts and their guests share the 411 of being married to the people who respond to 911s. Take a peek into fire family life and get unabashed advice on how to prevent forest fires in your marriage. Now, here's your hosts, two seasoned firewives, Audra and Chelsea. All right. Raise your hand if your firefighter or your first responder has ever come home and had some weird new supplements or a new diet that so-and-so from the station told them about. And then a month later, they're on to the next fed. We hear it a lot, all the time. I hear it all the time. Our guest today is Raina Bugelink from Shipwork Dietitian. Raina's here to talk to us about all of the fun stuffs about this crazy diet for our first responders and how to create a healthy relationship with food. Raina Bugelink is a registered dietitian who is married to a first responder. She's worked in private practice for almost 10 years in weight management and chronic disease management. She feels incredibly passionate about supporting shift workers and their families to increase their energy and improve their health. She's seen firsthand the toll it can take on their mental health, physical health, and relationships. So welcome. Thank you, guys. This is exciting. Yeah, this is cool. So tell us about why you kind of started on this path. Yeah, I'd love to. As you said, Chelsea, my background as a dietitian is in private practice, weight management, chronic disease management. And with my husband being a first responder, we've done like lived shift work in our house for so long. And I never had really put the two and two together as far as like my practice goes and then the life that we lived. But I started to work with a few more shift workers just because I said like, hey, I do it in my house too. And so then clients would come to see me. We just talk like meal planning strategies and that sort of thing. And then I started to look into like some more research stuff around people who work these rotating shifts of like going back and forth between days and nights. And then I kind of panicked because um, it was so like dreary and doom and gloom and you're going to get all these diseases and cancer and diabetes and heart disease. And I just realized like I didn't know about any of this as a dietitian and I didn't know about any of this in law enforcement and in shift work. In my world, nobody was talking about this stuff and how important it seemed to be for your health. So once I kind of saw some of that research and started to put some things in a place and started to work with my clients on it and they started seeing really good results, then I realized like, okay, there's something to this. So then that kind of changed the kind of the path of my career a little bit. And now I've like shifted really specifically into the shift work world because um, I think it's just so important because it just takes such a big toll on them. So yeah, for our spouses, for our family members who do this, there's just so much that's going on in their bodies and in their health. And then obviously the trickle down into what happens in our homes. For those of us who don't necessarily work shift work, we just work really long, long shifts at home without them around. That's all. (laughs) So it looks a little (laughs) bit different. Yes. Most first responders often complain about being exhausted. They have low energy. They suffer from mood swings. They have a hard time adjusting just back into a routine. Tell us some more about like how the diet really plays into this. Yeah, that's a really good point because if, depending on what their schedule is like, that's kind of where some of these, some of their energy levels are going to take a big hit. So if they can just do a set of day shifts and then they come off, sometimes that can be, that can feel okay. That's not always too, too bad. 
But if they do a set of night shifts and then they come off and they're trying to just transition back into the normal daytime schedule, that's actually like being jet lagged. So it's it's as if they've gone and over somewhere else like across the world and they were working there for a while and then they came back home and now they're trying to like get back onto our time schedule. So that's brutal. So for some people, like my husband, I'm not sure how your guys' spouses schedules work. For my husband, he did he would do two days and then two nights and then four off. And so he was just rotating through that schedule for a while. And so like every week, he just had this like massive thing of jet lag feeling. So from an energy perspective, that's just like, you just always feel like you're a zombie at some aspect of, of that shift. So one of the things that I've been working on with my clients is really working on that meal timing for them. So there's some pretty good evidence, at least from the research side of it, of like when you should eat for night shift. And so when we're eating at the wrong times, it's actually making you feel more jet lagged because it's giving your body all the wrong signals about when to digest food and when to not digest food. So anyways, it can get turned around very quickly from that perspective. So my whole goal with my clients is like, how do we minimize that feeling of jet lag for you so that you can come back home to your families and adjust quickly and not just feel like you spend your whole days off trying to recover from those night shifts that you've just done. Does that answer the question? So what are the right times for eating during night shift just out of curiosity? Yeah. So what I have seen in the research is that because when we're asleep at night, your gut is not actively digesting food. That's when your gut actually shuts down, digestion shuts down. Like we, unless we're very sick, we typically never wake up to have a poop. Like your your digestive system is not actively working at that time. So that's when it's resting, it's restoring. When you work a night shift, like unless, I don't know, like unless you've done like 14 nights in a row and your body has like fully adjusted to that time zone, then maybe your body functions will start to change over. Otherwise, if you're just doing like two to three nights in a row, you don't, you don't adjust that much. And so your gut is not ready to digest and take in food at that time. So the hours um, that that happens is usually between about midnight and 6 a.m. So for some of my clients, then depending on what their schedule likes, depending when they start, when they wake up, we kind of look at all that stuff. I'm really suggesting you potentially should actually be doing a fast from midnight to six or at least from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. to let your gut rest. Because for a lot of my clients, they've got like gut issues like bloating and cramping and pain and like a lot of gas at night. And it really it like interrupts their ability to be able to perform well on shift and to feel like their body's working really well for them. So when we've changed some of their eating patterns, they've seen really big improvements in that, which is good. Yeah, it's that fast is actually very important over the night. Yeah. So my husband worked nights for a really long time on vacations operator, and he would actually wake up to eat during the day so that he had the regular eating schedule that he's right. on at home, right? So right. You, know, you work four days in a three or four days in a row on that night shift, and then you come home and your eating schedule's all off if you don't sleep the same. So he'd wake totally. himself up at, you know, nine, noon, and five and eat when he was supposed to, and then go back to sleep. Yes. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was great for his sleep cycle, but it was good for his day. (laughs) And I think what you just said is so key because it's there. Everything about shift work is a balance. Like, is it better to sleep or is it better for my mental health to spend time with my family? Or is it better to do this? Or is it better to do this? And so it's just this like complicated mess of trying to like navigate through all the things. So, you're trying your best to manage your health, but there's so many factors coming into play at once. He actually, 
he preferred nights back then. Yes. We had little kids. So, you know, he could wake up, he could come home, sleep from like nine to five and then wake up at five and still see his kids before he had to go back to work. Mm-hmm. So still trying to eat on a regular schedule mm-hmm. where you're not eating all night long and then trying to sleep yeah. all day. It's just too much. So, yeah. And that's amazing that he could sleep. Like you said, he, he would wake up to eat, but that he could actually sleep from nine till five. Like that's amazing if people can like actually sleep that long during the day because lots of people cannot. Let me like, tell you, it's so hard. Struggle. Yeah, it was a struggle with kids because I had to like I would take the kids away from the house, <sighs> and we did blackout blinds so that it was dark in the room. It, it it could be a struggle sometimes, and then sometimes he'd stay at work and sleep and not come home just because he'd have to be back there again anyway. So why come right. home? But right. It was uh it was it was interesting. It was a fun time in our lives. So my yeah, my son is four. And so we're very much in, and we have, we just got a new dog. And so the barking and the playing and the, like, I think much of, much of the days at home are like, Shh, stop, be quiet, come over here. Okay. Everybody, everybody out the door, get outside, get outside. Like it's, there's so much going on um, behind the scenes just to try and support them in what we know they need. But obviously it's just, there's a lot of um, pressure then and weight sometimes I feel like on our shoulders too. So yeah, and I feel like sometimes we put that on ourselves. Like he was like, "You don't have to take the kids out of the house. I'll put your go to sleep. You know, it's not a big deal." Right. right. Myself, I was like, even if you have earplugs in, there's still some kind of noise going on. You know, I don't want the kids in True. here running amok. So, yeah, so I was putting a lot of that stress on myself versus him actually putting it on me. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. True. That's good. Each, probably each family just operates a little bit differently. Hey. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, okay. While we're on this topic, tell me about the overconsumption of caffeine. Oh, so good. So caffeine is so interesting because I think when we talk about caffeine, everybody just kind of chuckles because I don't think it's a matter of if you need caffeine or not, but when you need it, it seems to be one of those things that it's probably going to happen at some point in time, because if we haven't gotten the sleep that we need, and now you need to be awake all night and you need to be alert and you need to be able to perform, you're going to look for help just to be able to do your job and what's required of you. So caffeine is interesting because we can become desensitized to it. So therefore, the more tired we are, the more caffeine we'll use. And then if we're using more than we need all the time, your brain will actually adjust. We need a certain level of threshold to actually feel any level of alertness at all. And so it's one of those things that caffeine dosing and timing becomes so important because you should actually be really strategic about how much you have and when you have it so that you stay sensitized to it so that it actually works and it's effective for you. Because if it's just, I could just drink coffee all day long and not feel any different, that means that we're we're obviously desensitized and it's no longer providing any effect. Unless there's a very like small percentage of people that are just super fast caffeine metabolizers. They just have this gene and then their body just seems to use up caffeine super fast and like literally doesn't actually impact them at all because they metabolize it so fast. For most of us, it should take about six to eight hours for caffeine to actually be cleared out of your system, which means that we should be feeling kind of that alert, um, stimulated effect for maybe four to six hours that time, and then it should start to go back down. So one of the things that we're, we really work on to protect sleep quality is not having caffeine like right before going to bed. And so when I when I've talked to those police officers, they told me the hardest part of a night shift, especially, is kind of that four to six a.m. stretch. Like that's when their fatigue is just the highest, and yet they still maybe they're working till seven or eight or whatever, and they just still need to finish out. And so that's when 
they're potentially hitting a drive through or stopping at like the corner store, or the gas station, get an energy drink, something like that, maybe right at 5 a.m. The problem is, is that if they're done their shift at like seven or eight, now they're coming home and they've just caffeinated at like two or three hours before then. They will probably come home and crash. Most people after a night shift do anyways, like they're just, they're just so tired, but it can really impact your sleep quality then. So one of my recommendations is take your caffeine and back it up. Like if you know, um, and if you've got the chance to, not every not every shift goes the way that we want it to, obviously. But if you've got the chance to, take your caffeine and back it up by a couple hours. If you know that four is tough, have it at 2 a.m. Because again, if it takes six to eight hours, you're still going to have it in your system by four, but it should be metabolizing out then by like 8 a.m. when you want to be embedded sleeping. So there's there's stuff like that where we can just take it and, and prevent some of those great big swings in the energy level that we can feel overnight. Well, I don't feel it. So disclaimer, I don't actually have a workshop timer. So uh, I don't feel the things lots of my clients are, are working through, but there's definitely strategies that I know are going to be effective and can really help if we just do it right. And then consistently too. Yeah. Consistency is a hard one, I think, for oh, yeah. a lot of first responders because it's, it's so chaotic all the time. Talk to me about how to deal with the constant new diet or new supplement or new product that some firefighter or first responders always bring in some new, you know, try this protein powder, try this, you know, creatinine. It's like, what the heck? Tell us about um, kind of the dangers of that. And like, Mm, lots of them are really good to start with and they have their place. So it's not that all supplements are the devil and we should never ever take them and use them. I think when it comes to supplements, your body will always absorb and use stuff from food better than it will from a pill or a powder form. That's just the way our body's made to be and made to work. So um, if the food foundation isn't there, as far as like what your body needs and eating the right stuff, no supplement is going to fix that first and foremost. So, you know, I, I love the marketing of the names of supplements like Ripped Freak and Fat Shredder and like everything is so attractively named. However, um, it's marketing. And so even with the best diet and the best exercise regime in the world, I'm not guaranteed to look like the guy on the shredded or the girls on the package, even if I take the supplement and do the right thing. So genetics plays such a huge part in as far as like what our body can and can't do. But so, I, yes, I would be careful with some supplements because some of it is is truly just marketing. And there's been lots of research out on what they're putting into stuff. So between Canada and the US, there are different rules as far as like what's allowed in our markets and what's allowed in, in our products and that sort of thing. So I think Canada is pretty strict on, on some of our stuff, but for the most part, the supplement industry is pretty unregulated. So pretty much any any person running a gym or whatever can mix up their stuff and then put a label on it and put it on and sell it under a supplement banner. So do they have in it what they say they do? Are they guaranteed that it's free of banned substances and fillers and like toxins and heavy metals and that sort of thing? Usually the only way that we can kind of feel confident in that is that if they're being third party tested. So if products are, then there's usually some logos on there and they they promote it pretty hard because they want to say like, hey, we're actually doing this, we're doing a good job. So that's one of the things I really recommend to my clients is whatever you're taking, first and foremost, is it third party tested so that we can make sure it's clean and free because I think they did a study and I would have to look for this again, but they were looking at products that said right on the label, banned substance free. 
And then they actually went back and tested them. And sure enough, they had banned substances, traces of it in it. So if somebody's like training for something at a, like a really high athletic level and they actually have to do like testing for certain things, that could really screw them over. You know, whether it's just like an Ironman or, or whatever they're training for. So safety is probably my number one concern. Not every supplement, even different forms of creatine are not all going to be the same. They're not all going to be the same purity or effectiveness or like melatonin, for example. Melatonin can range so much as far as like dose and like how effective it is and what brands should get or not get. So there's so much to the world of supplements. So that's just specifically about the supplement side of the diet world and the diet trend is like it's a whole other can of tuna to open up. So you hit a really good point because you said an Ironman training, right? So mm. our fighters are constantly training to that level, right? Because they have yes. to physically fit. And so for them to be going out and buying supplements that may or may not have things in them their body should not have is kind of scary. I don't know. I've always felt like eating the right foods is better than eating the supplements, you know? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. No, and I love that you pointed that out too. Is like, I always hear about, you know, this just the craziest stuff and this check out this powder and this and I'm like what is just just eat good food I mean just right you don't need to put all that extra stuff in yeah your, yeah in your body. not need a protein shake go eat a piece of steak like what's wrong? <laughs> exactly. exactly I know I know and so like I said some of it and some of it's convenient so for some of my, some of right. the people I'm working with like they're just busy like again, call to call to call to call. To call. And right. so sometimes those supplements are like, this is literally getting me through in this moment when I can have a shaker cup and I shake up a protein powder and I can just go on to the next thing. So there, there's some instances like that. Other times, um, and especially in the world of firefighting, because when it comes to their gear they wear and the thermal stress that they're under and the heat that they can work in, the conditions that they work in, like they perspire and they lose water at such a higher rate than other first responders do so like this industry specifically something like electrolytes might actually be like a critically important thing for mm-hmm. some of these guys to do just depend or girls depending on how long oh, the shift is and, and what things are under so it's not that um food like food first and no supplements no of course not it's saying like is everything else there to the best of our ability right. and mm-hmm. then what is actually going to benefit you while you're actually working through this stuff and what sort of things should we carry home. And I know lots of like lots of stations or lots of trucks like are stocked up in some of these things, which is awesome. They've already got stuff that's that's available to people to grab when they need it, which is so good. Oh yeah. There's always yeah. water and Gatorade and Powerade and all the things yeah. available yeah. for that. So mm-hmm. and Gatorade and Powerade are actually super appropriate for for firefighters. Yes. Yeah. Not everybody, my kid, but I would give it to a firefighter. Yes, Yes. exactly, exactly, hundred percent. Yeah. So, what's the best way to kind of create like healthy boundaries around like short-term kind of plans, like short-term diets and and Mm -hmm. short-term supplements and things like that? Like, how do you create like a good relationship with actual food? Oh, it's such a good question. I'll start with kind of that that short-term diet aspect of it that you had mentioned, and then hopefully kind of transition to the healthy relationship with food. So usually short-term diets do not improve your relationship with food at all because their goal is to give you fast results always. And the only way to give really fast results is to do something drastic. So which means we usually cut out a a full food group and the one it usually cuts out is your carbs. If you cut out carbs, first things you'll see is you'll see water weight loss. 
So that's your first, oh, it's usually seven to 10 pounds in the first week. You're like, oh, this is awesome. This diet is amazing. I've lost so much weight already. So that's usually the first thing you see is just that water weight loss. And if that low carb diet is paired with a calorie restriction, and this is the first time you've ever done a short-term diet, your body's going to respond really well and really strongly and really quickly. You're going to see like a, probably a bunch of weight loss within the first like six weeks or something. I'd be like, oh, this is awesome. Um, the problem is, is that that calorie restriction plus those low carbs is not usually how we eat on a normal day-to-day basis. So as soon as you stop eating like that and your diet is over, the weight will come like shrink and just like rebound right back up because we didn't actually um, learn just how to eat for our body. Like number one, eat what your body needs. And if you're, you're looking for weight loss, that's okay. It's not a bad thing, but we, we do need to create a calorie restriction, but it has to be appropriate for your body. So short-term diets never, they always give everybody the same calorie level typically. Um, and so they just never actually do that. So, um, so now if you go, if your weight rebounds, you're like, oh, carbs are the problem. Carbs are the problem. And so now we've got this negative relationship with carbs. And really, we need carbs for sure. Unless you are going to do the ketogenic diet, which is all the rage still, unless you're going to do that one and there are no carbs at all in your diet, you need carbohydrates for your brain to function well, for your body to function well. You just need the right amounts at the right times. And it's all about that balance aspect of it. So for um, my clients, for a healthy relationship with food, we are slowly working at introducing all foods and making sure all foods are included in all the food groups, breads, pasta, rice, unless, unless, yeah, they truly feel gross when they eat pasta, for sure, then we don't have to include any, any food like that. But if there's no allergies, if there's no intolerances, let's work on including everything in, but we're going to show you how much to have at each time so that you don't feel gross when you eat it. You don't feel like your energy level crashes afterwards. You feel like I can eat pasta whenever I want. I can eat bread whenever I want. I can eat peanut butter whenever I want. Whatever the food is that you feel like, oh, can't have that one because it's so bad for me. My personal opinion is like, absolutely, McDonald's can fit in. And in many first responders' lives, it has to because <laughs> their options on night shift are so limited. So it's not that anything can, like absolutely has to be cut out. It's just that you have to pay attention to how it makes you feel when you eat it. And then if we get it in the right balance, it should, everything can be included. Because as soon as you feel like you're on a diet, you're going to come off of it. Sorry. I love that. You're most successful when there's no restrictions, right? Immediately, the first thing you want to eat when you can't have carbs is pasta, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I love pasta. Uh, so much. Yeah. As soon as you cut it out um, and we just went through January. So I see some people like coming off of their resolution stuff now and now that we're into February, but you know, like that's it. I'm not going to have any more chips ever again. And then as soon as you do that and you say, I can't, I can't, I can't. And in your mind, you create this, I can't mentality. Now it's like, Oh, as soon as I'm allowed to have chips, I'm going to go hard and I'm going to eat the whole bag. And so but we if just, I that's just five how it works. Chips a day, if I can have five chips a day yeah, yeah. versus a whole bag of chips a day, mm-hmm. right? then I might be able to be successful with that. I know. <laughs> Take the five chips a day. I get them every day. Okay. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> Portion control is definitely where it's at. I am the biggest anti-keto person on the planet. Uh, well, I am not a huge meat eater just in general. And the people that I know that have done keto have the worst health problems now. Mm. It kind of blows my mind. I mean, cholesterol's through the roof, like just, mm-hmm. just to the craziest things I've ever heard. And I am 
I mean, I'm really against any, we don't say the word diet in my house because mm, it's mm-hmm. absolutely horrible. Talk to me about like the good words to use around our kids. Yeah. When it comes to, because we don't use diet, right? So like mm-hmm. what, what good words can we say around our kids to promote mm-hmm. healthy eating rather than the diet culture? This, this is so good. I love this idea because this is so key to our relationship with food. And as we instill this in our kids, one of the things is like just calling food by its name, not labeling it in a way, even as like clean, I hear clean a lot or junk on the other side or like crap or too much sugary or like, for example, I bought a box of Fruit Loops, which I don't, I don't normally buy Fruit Loops as my cereal of choice, but I bought a box of Fruit Loops um, for something else. We were doing a little craft and then we had this leftover box of Fruit Loops and my son loved it, obviously, he's four. And so it's like, mom, can we get more Fruit Loops? And so the temptation is here to be like, no, Fruit Loops are super full of sugar and they're so bad for you. And that's like a junky cereal. And no, we're not going to eat that in our house. And then all of a sudden there's this negative association with something. That was that was just a very recent situation. I was like, okay, how do I say this? You know, it's like, well, Fruit Loops probably aren't actually going to give us a lot of really good energy in the day. It's not that we can't have them, but that's not going to make us feel super good in the morning. So we're not going to buy them all the time, but sometimes we probably will. So there's this idea of just call food what it is. Candy is candy. Chocolate is chocolate. Chips are chips. Um, just like carrots are carrots and steak is steak. And just label it with the food that it is. And that will just help so that we're not creating this like bad and good thing within our kids and within our families. Because again, it's that restriction mentality. There was one Halloween, I thought it was so interesting. And I think my son was about two. And so we went out trick-or-treating and afterwards I separated out all the candies that he couldn't have that just weren't inappropriate for a two-year-old, little hard candies or whatever. And I'd put them away in a Ziploc bag and I dumped all the candy that we had into like a big like stainless steel bowl and it was sitting on the counter like pretty much within his reach. There was nothing that I had put away yet other than the inappropriate candy. I got upstairs from it and I come back down and here he has found that Ziploc bag of candy and he snuck away into this room. Actually, I found him sitting on the floor with our dog and he had ripped open the bag of candy and he was trying to have the, the candy that he couldn't have, even though the full bowl of candy was there in reach. And so that's what restriction does. And that's what it does with our kids when we say like, can't, 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 can't. As soon as they're old enough to have some independence and they have their allowance and their money, like they're probably going to go and get all the stuff that they felt like they were never allowed to have as kids because it's a novelty. There's something about it that they know is good. So that's an important piece is like, um, and, and many dietitians that I'm seeing right now are even encouraging like serve dessert right with their supper plate. Everything is all together and all foods are like equal. So you don't say like you can only have dessert when you finish your veggies. Because that makes veggies feel like, oh, the chore that I have to work through before I get the really good stuff. I'm still struggling with that a little bit as a parent because <laughs> obviously he's going to choose the ice cream over everything else. First. Yeah. And his tummy, his tummy's still so little. It's mm-hmm. like he'll eat two bites of ice cream and be like, I'm full. My kids always thought that like yogurt was ice cream because I didn't like <laughs> ice cream. So when they were right. little, they right. that was their dessert. They thought that right. was like, a big deal, right? Yes. Um, yes. I don't think I don't I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that serve dessert with dinner thing. Not that I don't know. And we don't make dessert a habit. So it's not something that right. happens every night. Exactly. Right? Yeah. exactly. Yeah. I think if dessert, if you were a dessert every night family, I would probably have a different perspective on that. If you don't do dessert very often at all, I think it would probably be fine to have it there at the 
table and just as part of that meal. We, we've never really but, used it as a punishment versus right, right. So if we're having it, yeah. we're having it, and it's there. I mean, everyone's mm-hmm. long eat like some more dinner but not mm-hmm. in a way like you have to eat your vegetables first no you need to mm-hmm. eat a mm-hmm. dinner and we'll have dessert you know like yeah yeah mm, sometimes so, we have ice cream yeah. for dinner and sometimes oh. we have ice cream for dinner. it's a it's a firefighter house what can i say <laughs> i you know what apple crisp to me that's like there's apples there's oats there's like <laughs> that's that's a good meal to me so yes i've had lots of lots of times i've done that there are worse things in the world to eat 100 there are exactly. there. Exactly. um so a question for you guys and this has to kind of do with with a healthy relationship with food when you were growing up did you have to finish your plate at a dinner time yes yes 100 percent. yes mm-hmm. and i think um I'll, I'll say our generation, I think I've seen that for many, many of the clients, like my age or older. And I think there's a transition away from that right now, which I think is a, is a positive thing. And so one of the things we can do for our kids is to encourage them to listen to their body, listen to their appetite. Because now as a dietitian working with adult clients, we're really working on paying attention to how hungry and how full you feel over the course of the day. Because it's like, well, I don't know, I just finished my plate and then I feel too full. Yeah, I always so, ask kids before I start to even make dinner, are you hungry yet? Let me know when you're hungry or starting to get hungry and then we'll make dinner instead of it mm, being, oh, you have to eat dinner at this time of the day and you have yes. to finish the plate in order to get the dessert. Like, it's just like, yes. I think for, for my husband, that's kind of tough though, because like they're on such a regiment schedule. Like, yes, you could set your watch by the times yes. that he eats. And so like, I'll tell him, you know, the kids aren't really hungry yet. You might want to have a snack mm-hmm. right? yeah. or we know we're not going to eat at five. So maybe right. think about that. And so you don't get hangry. We <laughs> totally. Yes. Yes. Hunger's real. Right. That's real. But when he's not home, our, you know, we just kind of eat whenever we're hungry kind of thing. And I mm-hmm. feel like a healthier relationship with food. I don't have as many arguments with my children about what we're going to eat because it's whenever they're hungry. Right. Interesting. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and probably each family can, some families can do that. And some people are like, well, no, we have to, we've got piano lessons here. And then we've got skating over here and soccer over here. And so like, this is our window of time to eat. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's always providing that opportunity to eat, but not saying like, you are not leaving this table, young lady, until your plate is empty. Right. right? Yeah, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. When they were little, oh. I was much more strict. And now I'm like, you're not hungry? Okay, cool. Make yourself some right. cereal later. Well, like, like, I... To be fair, we have teenagers. So yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. a teenager about whether they're hungry or not. If they're hungry, yeah. they're hungry. Yes. And I figure when they're hungry, they'll go get the leftovers out of the fridge. Exactly. You know? They know how to heat it up. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know yeah. I'm not quite there yet. But the, the language that I have found for me to be helpful um, because sometimes with little kids, it is truly frustrating. It's like two bites. And I'm full. I know you're going to come back in like five minutes and be like, oh, I want a snack. So, you know, living in that twilight zone of like snacks all day, every day. Uh-huh. Um, but a language that I have found to be helpful with this is like, okay, if you're full, that's fine. But just so you know, the kitchen is closed mm-hmm. until yep. this, this time, this next snack time or this thing or whatever, just so that, it helps them understand. It's like, well, there's nothing else then. So sometimes they say I'm full just so you can get down from the table mm-hmm. and go play. Like if you are, you are. If not, here's what is available to you. And that is it. So I'm not short order cooking. I'm not going to making, going to get the crackers just because you didn't like dinner. Yep. So, 
Yeah. I usually yeah. Just, I used to leave their plate out. Just, okay, yep. go. And then mm -hmm. just, oh, you're hungry? Here's your dinner again. Yep. Like, yep, pretty much. This is then, the choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Limit the choices and they'll eventually eat their dinner. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> when they were younger, I would do like a muffin tin and put like healthy mm -hmm. snacks on a muffin tin. And then That's they have a favorite of what they could come and grab throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. And that seemed to work really well. There's never an unhealthy choice. So it was always, mm -hmm. they'd always mm -hmm. have to choose a healthy choice. They might choose the strawberries over the nuts, but like it's still strawberries. So maybe yeah. we need to do that at the firehouse. <laughs> I need to get a ginormous muffin tin just, that has like just 25 slots in it and just mm -hmm. snack mm -hmm. so good mm -hmm. really appropriate timing for this conversation because Super Bowl Sunday is coming up and oh, yeah. that's the most unhealthy eating time of the year and so I'm like this is like okay maybe we should do the muffin tin at Super Bowl Sunday at the station it's actually you know? not a bad idea honestly <laughs> Uh, there'd honestly. be a riot. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my cheese dip? We're having family day at a person Bowl Sunday. Maybe I will try it. We'll see how it goes. Ooh, oh, you know. Right. You let us know. I okay. I know. I feel like I would get kicked out of my house. <laughs> no. Um, don't tell them they can't have the bad things for them. We'll just offer them the alternative. And I think the hard part with be, the fire yeah. department specifically, well, maybe not that just the fire department. I know this probably police are just as guilty like the people that bring them snacks bring them treats the constant and i don't know if this is true in canada but it's true here people will drop off pies cookies mm. cupcakes candy to say thank you and it's like right oh my goodness and they they don't say no they say no. thank you and then yes. you know at nine o'clock at night when they're in the kitchen yeah. they're like "Ooh, that looks yummy i'm gonna eat yeah. that Yep. And it's so hard because then they bring it home too. And at nine o'clock, they're like, um, I need a cupcake. Like, yeah, we don't um, And cupcake. let's face it, as wives, we are guilty as charged for doing that very thing. Like, when, whenever I think about going to the station, oh, what am I going to take to the station with me? Because I don't ever go anywhere. Mm. Oh, let's make him a treat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I'll take, you know, I'll be like, let me cook dinner, you know, whatever. Yep. Yes. But it's like, I think up until probably like a couple of years ago, I was always like, oh, let's take them donuts or let's take them bear claws or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's, yeah, guilty as charged. So. Yeah. I always bake and send it with them mm -mm. because then I feel better about like what they're eating because I know what's in it. But now it's totally like, okay, uh, I'm not bringing sweets. Uh, I'll bring breakfast or I'll bring whatever mm. side or salad or something. Yeah. But yeah, in the beginning, it was like, ooh, treats. And now it's like, oh, God, no. The big thing oh. is like Mexican. So <laughs> yeah, we're doing barbecue for Super Bowl Sunday. But I'm like, I'm going to try to sneak guacamole in there somehow. <laughs> mm -hmm. Always, mm -hmm. always have guacamole. Always. Yes. Oh, there's and such a great, such a healthy fat. Come on, you guys, healthy fats. Exactly, oh, right? Uh, nothing wrong with good guac. We're going to switch to the hot seat. We're going to, ironically, our first question is pretty funny for the diet. So we're going to start with the hot seat. It's just a series of questions that help us get to know you a little bit better, introduce you as a whole person to our audience. And so our very first question for our dietitian is, do you prefer pizza or tacos? Tacos, mm, 100%. You can just do them in so many different ways. That would probably be my like desert island last meal. I'm having tacos. Yes. Oh yeah, we love, love you. Yeah, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Okay, so what what's your favorite 
kind of taco? Oh, probably like a good fried fish taco. Oh, with like just my love language right now. Yes, yummy. Um, yeah, all the fresh toppings. That's very, very good. A good oh, taco. Good. Yeah, mm, fish tacos yeah. are so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just got back from Hawaii, so I'm all about <gasps> right now. <laughs> the best. Oh, the best. And their shrimp, like some of the shrimp from their food trucks. Oh man. Oh, I make tacos all the time. That's like almost a staple food in my house. <laughs> oh, it's, it's amazing. It is amazing. That's a great question. Yeah, I would I would probably choose those fish tacos. So if you're listening, you can have tacos. <laughs> oh, yes. There was actually a little, I had a little like sticky note on my computer for a while. It's like, it's okay if you don't have it all together. Tacos fall apart all the time and we still love them. So you don't have to be perfect. <laughs> that was my little consolation note to myself. <laughs> okay, a little bit more serious question, but um, this can be anything. It doesn't have to be like a self-help book or anything. What two books do you recommend and why? That could be like literally your favorite book you've ever read. Two books. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm reading a book right now called Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. It is depressing. I We're all going to die. It's what I'm coming to the conclusion. But I, I actually like it is so good because it goes, it talks about sleeping kids and sleep in teens and sleep in what sleep does and how we can help. And oh, I so, especially for me in my line of work and like just trying to help shift work. So anyways, that's one that I highly recommend to on my pretty much everybody. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And then book number two. Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I did an audiobook recently and it was called Before We Were Yours. And it was um, really interesting about. Um, it's such a good book. Based on a true story. Yes. Of yes. These, these kids who were back in, I think, the 1800s on the Mississippi River, like taken away from their families and being like adopted into wealthy families. And it was this whole thing. And so, anyways, I was just captivated by it and by the history of it so um one fiction one on one non-fiction how about that <laughs> i love historical fiction like that's like mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. Yeah. okay what's the best advice you've ever been given oh my goodness that is all oh, the best advice i've ever been given i think it's just been to to know yourself and to go at the pace that is right for you I, I that was told to me in such a culture of like hustle 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 get it done side hustle side this side that and I usually shut down in <laughs> in states of high stress when I get too busy and so it was just so reaffirming to hear that I can just go at the pace that is right for me one last question if you were given a chance to say anything to a chief of a fire department or a police department and there was no repercussions for it what would you say I'm sinking down in my chair just thinking about it I can only say one thing. Can I send him a a letter? (laughs) Um, Okay. I think I would say you cannot out supplement a bad diet or a bad, bad sleep and bad diet. So prioritizing and encouraging your members and your, your department and your team to prioritize their sleep and their diet will pay off for you in dividends as far as sick leave and stress leave and return to work and morale on your team and their ability to learn. It's just, it's, it can't be overemphasized enough. I totally 100% agree with that. 100 of that. And, oh, I should say, uh, do something super nice for each and every spouse in your, (laughs) I, I mean, I can't imagine if the police chief of my husband's thing reached out to me personally and 
expressed his appreciation for I that would mean I don't know. That is absolutely life changing. I've had it happen to me twice. And wow. It literally changed my entire perspective of my husband's job. Mm-hmm. Just took the time to appreciate the fact that I'm here too, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. So yes. best piece of advice you could have ever given on this podcast, like hands down. I love Aww. that. All right, Raina, thank you for coming on and chatting with us today. If you want to learn more about Raina, you can find her on Instagram at, at shift.work.dietitian. Do you have a website? Yes. It's just shiftworknutrition.com. And as always, if you love the show, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen. And the best compliment is sharing our podcast and our content with a friend or tagging us whenever you share. Thanks, Raina. Thanks so much, you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Find us on social media at Dear Chiefs Podcast and online at DearChiefs.com. Tune in weekly for the 25,000 foot view of loving a first responder. Audra and Chelsea, over and out. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.